Good morning, everyone. It's been quite a while since you've heard my voice on this Wonder Women in Business podcast. I am so excited to be here today uh, with my very good friend, Sheila Murphy. Some of you may know her. In fact, most of the folks in my circle know her because um, we promote one another all the time. We do great work. We believe in each other's you know, uh, goals and missions and vis- visions and values. So I'm so excited to have Sheila on for you to get to know her better. Uh, Sheila, welcome to the show. I'm thrilled to be here, Susan. Um, it's always a pleasure to hang out with you <laughs> and also to promote your, your, your stuff because as you said, you're just fabulous. So it's easy to promote people who are wonderful. You're so sweet. You're so sweet. So point is, folks, Sheila has skyrocketed in the last year and a half, two years. It's amazing. I see her everywhere on LinkedIn. I see her on Facebook. I see her on Twitter. Um, I know she's in New York, based out of New York, but you'd swear she was everywhere. So, so nice to have the opportunity to introduce her to you, my audience. And Sheila, my audience has grown. We have about mm, a little over 16,000 followers now. And I'm super excited for them to get to know you as well as I know you. So why don't you tell us, what's your story, lady? Oh, it's this story as old as time. Girl reinvents herself. But let me take you back to the beginning so that you can get a sense of how major the reinvention is and why I'm passionate about the ability of people to change. When I, I was young, I went to law school. And when I was in law school, I had one dream, which was to be, as I put it, a mole attorney. And a mole attorney is the person who sits at a desk with their head down. The desk is probably in a dang basement somewhere and they just turn out work. And that was really my goal. I just wanted to work because I was a real introvert. Um, But as time went on, I got a job at a major law firm in New York City. And when I showed up the first day, the managing partner came out to see me and said, I have some news for you. I'm like, what? He goes, well, we had too many corporate associates who were moving you to litigation. You know, my heart, if you knew me at that point, just sort of dropped. I was like, this was not the dream. And so I went through my first few years of practicing law feeling like a fraud. And the reason I didn't quit on the spot was my mother had paid for my law school education. And I don't think she would have taken too kindly to me leaving. But as I had a few, developed a few friendships at the firm, someone in that network actually got me an in-house job or entree into an in-house job. And I felt like this wave of relief that finally I was going to be someplace I could put my head down, get in the basement and not have to speak to anyone and all would be good with the world. And then I started to get a sense that that wasn't how it operates in-house. And then I had this aha moment when a gentleman who was a peer of mine and sort of was at meetings with me, he was at meetings with me, and he would say stuff that just didn't make sense. It wasn't good strategy. And they were taking his ideas. Not only did they take his ideas, he got promoted. I didn't even know that was in the possibility. And I realized that both for myself and my clients' benefit, I needed to start to change how I was treating my career. It didn't serve my clients well that I did not have a voice, and it didn't serve me well that I didn't have a voice. So I started to take baby steps, and I started to climb up the corporate ladder as an in-house attorney, and it really worked for me. And while I was there as an in-house attorney, I realized 
I got a group and what I, my real passion was talent development. So when I got to the next phase of my life, I decided that I wanted to be a coach and consultant to help people find their true passions and develop a really powerful legal career. And I've been doing that now for three years. Awesome. Awesome. Folks, I can tell you this. Uh, I am not a lawyer. However, Sheila has used her magic on me and has sprinkled her magic fairy dust over me and helped me to grow and protect both of my companies in the two years that I've known her. She's been a confidant, a coach, a friend, and just all around great advisor. Um, She's the woman who forgives me when I forget the time difference between California and New York. And I text her at two in the morning. Um, so it's that hard to say now and then answer. So I don't know what <laughs> that says about me and my sleep habits, but exactly, exactly. I think folks who are listening to this might relate. A lot of the uh, people who listen to this podcast um, have that same issue where we, we wake up at two in the morning and say, I might as well do some work right now, you know, so um, got to change those habits, especially for the women out there. Uh, we need to, to practice self-care, you know that. So let me ask you this, when, when you do get some sleep, uh, when you finally wake up from a good night's rest, what makes you smile when you get up in the morning? You know what? I really appreciate my morning routine. I, I'm not one for journaling, but if the weather is good and if you saw me, you wouldn't think that I am at all athletic. Um, I like to do a jog. And I am right now, while you mentioned I am from New York City, I'm staying at my beach house during the pandemic, which is on Fire Island. And it's sort of a little bit remote and empty. And I like getting a run in the morning where I can sort of disconnect from everything else and just sort of enjoy the beauty um, and remoteness of where I am today. And I'm really grateful um, to have that ability and thankful that my body will still let me do it, even if it is a lot slower than when I was younger. And that I just have a moment to myself and a moment where I I can be just one with sort of what's out there in the universe. I love that. That is so my language, not the running part for sure, but (laughs) it wasn't mine a couple of years ago either. So (laughs) you you can change. (laughs) Yeah, I'm working on it. I'm walking, walking in the morning, fast walking, but um, you do look quite in shape and athletic. And I know folks, this is only audio, but she's in great shape. And I hope that you'll share some of those beautiful pictures of Fire Island. I've never been there, but I follow you on Instagram. Yes, she's on Instagram too. And oh my God, I'm just blown away. They're like meditation in visuals, right? You just look at them and you're like, wow. It's, it's for me, there's a beauty in nature, whether it's the sunsets or the beach that I find um, just helps me find some serenity and some center in my day. I was just going to say your pictures uh, are very centering. That was the word. How random, how weird that we said the same word. Yes. I was going to say very centering and folks, she doesn't use any filters. This is the real deal. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm sure California has some great sunsets as well and sunrises. And I know when I lived in Hawaii, I saw some gorgeous, gorgeous oh. um, nature in, in action. Uh, but I love logging onto your Instagram account and seeing uh, you tell that story through pictures. It's just beautiful. Uh, well, let me ask you about stories. Speaking of stories, you know, I'm an avid reader of books. Although my eyes are starting to fail me, I still enjoy books. What is the one book that perhaps has influenced you most in your life? You know, 
it's funny, but I always go back to this book. Um, and it's To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, I think, That's you know, favorite. and I feel like, I've, and I do feel like it's like a little, everyone says it, but when you think about a book, your first real introduction to total injustice and how people can try to make a difference, you know, that's where that was the book for me that made me sort of question a lot of things and understand how you choose to be and show up is so um, meaningful. And so I always seem to go back to that one book. And I, I mean, I'm an, I'm, I read constantly and I read a ton of different things, but To Kill a Mockingbird, it just has a special place in my heart. I would agree. And I was thinking I was special, but then one day someone posted that question on social media and I think it's quite a popular answer. Um, that just shows you how impactful that story is. Um, I, I read it when I was young. It used to be part of the you know required reading in school. I was the nerd that loved that and couldn't wait for my summer reading mm-hmm. list. Um, but that book, and I will say um, um, Cast, a more modern day uh, book. Uh, by Isabel Wilkerson. Mm-hmm. That's another great read. Uh, so I'm, I'm reading that critically right now. And I just, I want to say just, but it was actually probably a couple of years ago now. I saw it to, the, the stage version of To Kill a Mockingbird, which I thought was so powerful. So if you are, I think, it, I think it's still on Broadway. Um, if you are in New York and you have the opportunity that the way they staged it and the way they approached the story, I thought was especially at the end. So another just powerful moment. Wow. I'm going to have to see if we have time in our schedule and our upcoming trip to New York to fit that in, because that would be quite moving. You know, my husband is also a lawyer and he too loves that book. So I think we would both enjoy uh, the stage um, version. So that would be very exciting to us. And again, with my cheeky way of segueing into the next question. What Casually. <laughs> I know, I know. What's cute about me is I think I'm funny. I may not be funny at all, but I think I'm funny. So what absolutely excites you right now? What's, what's going on? Tell us what's exciting to you right now. You know, what's exciting to me right now is I think and maybe I'm being a little optimistic. I've been optimistic in this whole pandemic before, but the opening up and the, possi- the possibilities that exist to reframe and recreate a different way of being and working. And I'm really excited about that opportunity. Um, I feel that especially for women, this has been an extremely difficult time uh, and so I am hoping with this reemergence that we can start to create just different options for people. Not everyone's future has to look the same. I think now and then we get stuck like the gerbil thinking we have to be on a certain track or on a certain wheel and we just go in circles. And that circle may be fine for some gerbils, but maybe you're someone who'd rather go uphill than around in the wheel. So I just feel that I'm cautiously optimistic that as we reopen, that perhaps we create a better world. I love that. I love that. So I think a lot of people who are not open to change or, or, or are so stuck in that, on that wheel, as you say, 
they haven't thought about the possibilities of greatness that can come with remote work or hybrid work or uh, less travel, you know, but still connecting in a meaningful way. Um, I know that I knew Zoom before COVID, but I started training a lot of my uh, female business friends on how to use Zoom. And we have found that we've connected with people we haven't seen or talked to or been able to travel to in years. And it's been quite effective. So um, what else do you think will change? I mean, the one thing I want to caution as I'm saying this is that, you know, re-emerging and thinking about a new world is going to take time. I, when we had sort of like our, our spring awakening or fall awakening, when things were starting to open up before things changed again, you know, I went, I was attending a couple of conferences and at some of them, I noticed that people were having difficulty just connecting from work. I think they were so used to working constantly and being in front of the computer. Oh yeah. That even when they were, had the opportunity for that face-to-face connection and time, it was difficult. So I think, you know, the one thing I think we need to think about as we're embarking is just also being there for giving people a little grace, um, giving yourself a little grace. Uh, I, but I, I think the other thing that's going to be interesting to me is, you know, there's a lot of different things going on in the universe. You know, there was the pandemic, there's been, uh, for the people in the legal profession, um, it has been an extraordinary, um, time of deals and other transactions and things and people have worked incredibly long hours and so there is this idea of burnout so that is something else yeah. I think we need to think about um, how we approach burnout and the you know and also how we approach compensation and money and um, here here you know I think now and then there's a lot of trying to keep up with the Joneses rather than thinking, should we be hiring more people at lower pay or doing some, you know, some do looking at how we structure work differently, because I do think that we have gotten away from some the important things that made things wonderful. I think, you know, for a lot of working mothers, myself included, um, when COVID first started, one of the things I actually enjoyed about it, despite all the horrors was that I probably had more family dinners than I had while my children were growing up. And it was just really meaningful to be able to have that connection in such a way. And so I think we need to rethink about how we work, what works looks like, and what are the different tracks? Not everyone has to be trying to become CEO or trying to become a law firm partner. What does your track look like understanding both the ups and downs of that track. Sometimes people, you know, there's, you know, everything has an upside and everything has a downside and you just got to figure out what's the best place for you and make an informed decision. True, true. You made some points I didn't think about. Um, I do agree that burnout uh, was real before and burnout can still be and may still be real in this Zoom world because I know I work more now in the Zoom world because I'm 24-7, right? You can connect with someone across the globe at some hour 
if you're using Zoom versus in person. So yeah, that's right. a good consideration, important but, consideration. And I mean, and we're, I mean, you and I both have some clients globally, so that that type of thing impacts us. But the other thing I found out was some companies, this wasn't even a law firm, but some companies said to their employees, well, if we are not commuting, we can start meetings at 7 a.m. Ah, right. So, you know, so you're going then, you know, they've added another hour or two to your day. And as much as many of us probably will have have another adjustment if you have to start commuting again, the commute in some ways, despite pushing on the subway or however you commuted, now and then gave you a little time, separation. And that is gone. So I think it's, you know, we really do need to look at how we work, you know, as well as what we want to obtain and how to get there. You know, I work with a lot of uh, women lawyers and a lot of, you know, we just get used to doing things a certain way. And so when you you have to unpack what people want and then what behaviors need to change to sort of create that future for yourself and, um, Change can be difficult, you know, when, you, when you're on the hamster wheel. Absolutely. I would say that um, no normal is the new normal, right? I we love have, that. Yeah, I've not can, heard that. I made that up just now. Yay. You can take it and run with it. But seriously, yeah. I've tried to say, oh, well, the new normal looks like this. But then, you know, with Omicron, everything changed again. So I think there is no more normal. And normal is highly personalized now. You know, what's different? for what's normal to you might be abnormal or not normal or not okay for me, right? So uh, I think that's what you're talking about. Don't just be the gerbil or hamster on the wheel. Find out who you are and what works for you and, and try to make that happen. And I would just add on that because I thought you said that so beautifully. The, and if you're a manager, find out what works for what's normal for each of your employees. Um, yes. You know, now and then there are meetings, people, everyone has to go to, but if your employee works best a certain way and it's doable and it, you know, embrace it because when people are engaged and empowered and working the best way that they can, you're going to get so much better outputs from them and you're going to have a happier employee. And we know that intrinsic motivation um, is very powerful. People will do more than they're asked and they'll do better than they're expected if they're happy at work. Not about no, extrinsic motivators, but intrinsic. It was so funny uh, years ago, a gentleman I knew who was at an investment bank um, spun off and start, created a little mini shop for himself. And he took all the women who wanted to work part time with him. And he said, this was sort of, this was his business strategy because they were brilliant. They did excellent work and they were so happy and grateful to be able to have that type of schedule at a time it wasn't, you know, right, chic or fashionable that he said the loyalty, the engagement, the work product was spectacular. And so, yeah, it makes a big difference when you do that for people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Folks, just for those of you who are interested, if you're a nerd like I am, Dr. Teresa Amabile writes a lot about what Sheila's talking about, intrinsic and extrinsic motivators uh, in the workplace. And I think that's remarkable for this person to have done that before we heard of flex hours and before it was popular. Um, he hit the nail on the head with that one for sure. Well, let me ask you, I think I know you pretty well. So this is kind of a, um, I don't know, it's sort of a, an outlier question. 
But what's the most important thing I should know about you, Sheila? And remember, everybody's listening. (laughs) (laughs) I'll try to keep it clean then. Um, I think the most important thing about um, people should know about me is that I try to bring my authentic self to everything so that whether so that you're never sort of fooled that you know where I stand, what's important to me, where I may be nuanced. Um, and so I think that that really is and that I care deeply about those things. And, and But I also want other people to bring their authentic selves to me because that's how I learn. Um, I learn tremendously when people um, open me up to new worlds, new cultures, new ways of thinking. Uh, even if it may not be the way I think about it. I always think that by listening um, and engaging in conversation, we get to a whole new plateau. Truth bomb right there. Um, I do know you're very authentic. And this is why I appreciate your advice, because you're not afraid to be open, honest, and direct. It might be the New Yorker in you, but you you certainly tell me like it is. And I I, value that. (laughs) I met someone recently who told me um, sarcastic people weren't nice. And I'm very, I'm very New York. I'm very sarcastic. And I said, I really think we are. (laughs) And I tried to explain to her why I thought it was, it was, it it, it was cruel. It was nice, you know, cruel to be kind, I guess, sort of the thing. But, but the idea that, you know, you, you don't hurt someone's feelings to hurt them, but being honest and authentic um, is actually a kindness to people. Right. Um, it, it really is. Maybe a what little bit of sarcasm. It, 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 <laughs> a little less spice. A um, little less what, spice. What good does it do to tell someone just what they want to hear? Or, I mean, that's not helping them in the long run. Then you become, uh, you lack credibility, right? So, and, and not just that, you know, I, I was, I put together a workshop I did um, a while back and I was talking about, you know, people who had made changes in their behaviors that catapulted their careers. And what I realized as I was looking at the examples that I was going to give in this workshop, that each of these individuals asked for information about what they should be thinking about or doing differently. And all of them got that information and acted on it. That's and awesome. so what it made me realize is the importance of asking for information about your performance and wanting that real actionable feedback that you can act on. And, you know, and like I said, this was, you know, one guy became a CEO and the woman became a general counsel. These were really significant impacts on people that were feeling stalled in their careers at the time. That's an awesome, awesome thing to say. I'll tell you feedback. uh, People don't often realize this, but feedback is a sign of respect. Even if it's not what you wanted to hear, the fact that someone's willing to give you feedback about how they received the sender's message or received your message, uh, whether verbal, nonverbal, whatever, uh, that's really powerful and really helpful. I'll say I had a uh, boss when I worked in Boston. Uh, He was from New York most of his life, not originally, but lived in New York most of his life. Um, 
He once told me, because I'm a list keeper, I'm obsessive compulsive, check it off the list, got to get the list, watching the clock. I have a watch in every room and a clock on every wall and constantly, you know, um, chained to that clock in the time of day. And he said to me, Susan, you must learn to manage your attention, not just your time. Love that. Yes. And look, for lawyers, they're trained to manage everything's about time, 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 billable hour. You know, think about this. How much time do we spend on things that are low on our forced ranking of important things? Right. Um, Because it's carved out. Right. We carve out an hour for this. Well, you know, maybe that shouldn't even be on today's list at all. Right. So I just read the just read this book called The One Thing, which has some unfortunate examples of things because it was written in the 70s. So some of the examples have not you know, done well over time. But the, the premise of the book was finding those one thing that can have the greatest impact on your life, on your yes. career, and putting your attention there. Because you're right, a lot of times we do busy work, we do housekeeping tasks, rather than focusing on it, what's important, either um, in our personal lives or our career lives. And a lot of times we do it because we're avoiding what, you know, maybe it feels uncomfortable because it's outside our zone, but it's just, it, it had an impact on me to think about like, where should I be spending most of my energy this year? That's right. Yeah. And you said housekeeping. I want to talk about that a little more. Um, women at all levels, and I've been in corporations and I've been in law firms and I've seen uh, even lower level men ask higher level women to order lunch for the next meeting or to get an additional chair for someone who's coming late or to take notes at the meeting. Um, that is true. I mean, that happens all the time. Uh, so how do you handle that diplomatically? Um, <laughs> diplomatically, maybe the way I <laughs> Not New York style. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, I would say it's not just men asking. A lot of times we think it's helpful and we yes. take it on. I've seen a lot of women um, put themselves in that role That's of true. doing it. Uh, so when you're asked, I would say, no, I think that might be a better task for so-and-so. Excellent. If there's someone who's, it, you know, I might do that. I will tell you, I realized when I was at my company and I was at that point, a senior vice president that I, and um the women got up with the secretaries and hand, hand, you know, cut the cake and passed it out when there was an event. And the men who were my level were sitting chatting. Yep. And I actually raised it at a peer meeting. And I said, you know, not for nothing, but, you know, this isn't, you know, guys do one thing, ladies do something else. And I made obsessive, why are the women officers helping? The men aren't. And I said, I'm telling you right now, from now on, I'm not helping. And in fairness to one of the guys actually got up and made a difference. And he started to do it. But I just sat. I just decided that, you know what? You know, it was against my nature. It was difficult because I also thought it as something as thinking I was above people, which was not my natural state. But I just decided at that moment that, you know, we needed to change some of the... Um, the stereotypes that were going going out on out there, and I was adding to it. 
Yeah, that's an excellent example. Um, I recall one time speaking up and speaking out and saying, why don't we each take our own notes and then we can have your, um, you know, assistant or the, you know, uh, mm -hmm. put these together, aggregate the notes, you know, so um, that way it's not, I'm not willing to roll up my sleeves and do some work, but you should be willing as, as well to roll up your sleeves and do some work. Um, so yeah, I, I get it. It's, there's a lot of nuances. There are a lot of cultural differences. Um, I know as a mother, people define nurturing differently and what does mothering look like? And do you bring that self to work or do you leave her at home? And how is it possible to separate the two? I'm a career woman and a mother. Um, but I ask my son, <laughs> he's going <gonna laughs> to cut his own damn cake, you know, so I've never served my husband or my son. Now, if they were under truth serum, they might say, we wish you were a little more traditional, you know, but you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. So let me ask you, you do great work. I know you're coaching now. Well, let's focus a little more about your current, the way you spend your time, money, attention, the things that are important to you. Uh, right now. And then I want you to share how can people reach you to learn more about that? You know, in terms of where I'm spending my time and money right now, um, I've been really, I, I, there's been one organization that's been um, an important part of my life, probably for 15, 20 years. It's CARE, which focuses on eradicating poverty through empowering and educating women and girls. And, you know, so I spend even in the pandemic, a lot of time um, promoting that organization, as well as helping to set up educational opportunities for people who want to learn more about um, the impact of poverty or not educating women and girls has or all over the world. You know, we often hear about where well, we have so many problems here in the U.S. and we do and we need to address them. Um, but there is, you know, we've become a global community, you know, if nothing else has come out of the COVID, that awareness yes. of how interconnected the economies are in the world is. Um, and so I have found that you can have a huge impact and that's where I, you know, I've, I've continued. I've that's visited beautiful. some of their, pro yeah, I've visited some of their projects, you know, in um South and Central America, they do great work. I've been, you know, out to villages in the mountains um, where, you know, it's a, it's a different life than the life that I led. Um, but we're, you know, trying to open up possibilities to those yeah. women, which is what also, you know, my uh, career is about right now. That's and what so I was going to ask you next. How does that, so that has clearly, it, it's, it changes perspective, right? So how has that impacted? And let's talk a little bit what's the name of your company and what do you do it, for money? Like, how do you make money? Uh, how do you, make, you know, I, so. the name of my company is Focus Forward Consulting. And what I do is I lift lawyers to get to the positions of power that they want. And so the focus uh, really is how to build that career that you want and how to ha have more control over that career, your compensation and your courage so that it is designed in a way that meets your needs. And for the, you know, there are all different types of coaches. I know you've had some other really um, wonderful women on and some men who are fabulous coaches. I, what I would say is a little bit different um, 
for me and how I operate is one, you know, I'm extremely practical and pragmatic. And so I really work with the people to come up with actionable steps that we can take a little bit at a time. And, you know, while I did, you know, work mostly with lawyers, I do work with some people who are outside um, the profession. But the reason, the other reason I'm different as in the legal profession is having been an in-house counsel for over 23 years and having gone up the corporate ladder, I really understand what it takes to move up the corporate ladder and how it has really less and less to do with your lawyering skills than a lot of attorneys believe. And on the other side, having that experience, when I work with people who are at law firms, I am able to explain to them how and why in-house counsel choose the people they do to give business to. And so you get to this inside perspective as to how to be more attractive to clients. And so I bring um, that sensibility and knowledge and expertise um, to the table, as well as um, someone who has a vast sort of network and knowledge of what's going on in the industry. I would say you hit the nail on the head. If someone asked me about what makes you different, it is that you better than most lawyers outside counsel, at least understand the language of their clients and what their clients needs are. And I find most lawyers are afraid to ask a lot of questions for fear that they may not know, look, they may not look like they know what they're doing. Right. So But the key to a great client relationship is to ask questions and find out how your client communicates and in what language and what are the challenges in the business day to day, not just, you know, legal work, right? Anybody who's a lawyer can do legal work. It's the person who understands that client's business industry competition that sets themselves apart. And that is where you understand both sides of that uh, relationship. It's really the unlawyering skills that make a difference in a legal career. Yes. And so when you focus on just the legal skills, which is important, and it's this, you know, the table stakes, but unlawyering and doing that work, which feels now and then difficult because it, you know, we, we are so conditioned as lawyers to focus on lawyering. Right. Um, It's the unlawyering stuff that will really up-level your career whether you're inside or outside. Now they may differ a little bit in what the skills look like, but that's really where you need to focus. Agreed. Agreed. In my research back in my master's long ago, I um, interviewed probably, I don't know, 50 general counsels or assistant general counsels to find out what they're looking for in outside counsel and what, what, what is the perfect outside counsel? You know, what does this person look like, sound like, act like, how do they behave? What does this person want from that person? And it was exactly what you said. I mean, don't tell, come in here and tell me you're the best lawyer or you work at the greatest firm because you wouldn't be here in the first place if I didn't know that already. Uh, tell me you understand my business and how I operate. Help me grow and protect my company, um, et cetera. So yeah, you are spot on with that. Right. It's not being the perfect lawyer. It's being the perfect lawyer for your clients. Exactly. And, right. And so- that is also taking the time to dig in. And if you're at a law firm, understand who your ideal clients are. And, and it takes time. It takes time. And it's like you said, 
and a lot of times I feel like outside lawyers are so anxious and then to get to the ass, they hurry through it, they do it poorly, and they don't understand that to make an impactful request to work together, you got to earn it. And you, it, that takes some time. Um, but I, you know, I think we like to check the box. I went to yes. 19 conferences. So what? My ideal client doesn't hang out at any of them. I asked for business <laughs> 10 times. So what? You, you, you didn't go through the process to do it in a way where you'll actually get a yes. Um, so I do think it's sort of understanding the process and having a little bit of patience with the process. You know, and one thing I'm talking about now is I know that, um, law firm folk are really overworked right now and there's a lot going on. And so there, you know, salaries have increased dramatically. Bonuses are, you know, through the roof. That's going to change at some point. And it's changed in the past and it will change again. And are you prepared for when there may be a closer look at where you are with clients. And the beauty of this boom right now is you can slowly start to do that work before it becomes an imperative. Right. This is your chance to build those relationships. Lay that foundation. I used to tell lawyers that I worked with, you know, if you're just going in there and lawyering, you're building a house on a foundation of ice. What are you going to do when the ice melts? You've got to build a strong foundation of concrete relationships, understanding that person. Um, you know, the golden rule of treat others as you want to be treated, that's not helpful. It's treat others as they want to be treated. I love it. Right? Love it. The platinum rule, right? So <laughs> <laughs> platinum and diamond rule. I, mean, I, I was thinking the same thing as you said I know it. you, I know you. Uh, yeah. But you know, no, but there is so much in that. And the idea that um, do it now while you have the time. I mean, right. I, you know, pre-boom, I was getting phone calls from, you know, some um, law firm lawyers asking me to help them. They had like three months to develop a book of business. And yeah. I'm like, we can do some progress, but you know, you're creating a sales funnel and not all that happens in three months. I was honest with exactly. them because I don't want them to have false expectations. So it, yeah, I know you're swamped, but even if you could start to do some of that, that work today, right. you will be in a much better spot in the future. As I tell people, if you're in New York and you're going to sail to Europe and you change costs, a, co a course about 10 degrees, you're going to end up in Africa. Those little bit of change can have a big impact on your, your end results. So, you know, think about that. You don't have to do everything, but start with a plan that with small incremental change that will have bigger impact over time. That's I what you want to do. Example. That's a great analogy. Uh, my husband, whom I've mentioned is a lawyer, used to have his own uh, law firm as well. He not only practiced, but he managed and he, you know, trained his associates and such. He always recommended this old book. I mean, he buys them for a penny on Amazon now. He buys them <laughs> by the box loads and just gives them away. He mentors a lot of people. It's called Dig Your Well Before You're Thirsty. And that's exactly what you're talking about. You know, take a, a little time each day. Think of it as brushing your teeth, right? It's a little bit each day uh, to, to uh, one step at a time, like many, many, 
it takes many steps to get to the mountaintop, right? So one step at a time. Well, I think you're fantastic. I love that you uh, answer my texts at 2, 2 a.m. <laughs> I have, um, you know, pulled back on some of that. I have uh, learned to sleep through the night, but there's that occasional, uh, you know, early morning, I get up at two or three and start work. But um, uh, it's nice to know somebody else is out there up at that same crazy hour. So thank you for being my mentor and my friend and my advisor on so many occasions. I know how to reach you, but if other people want to know how to reach you, how can they do that, Sheila? Um, Sheila, uh, my website is www.focus-4-consulting.com and you can reach me at email by Sheila at focus-4-consulting.com uh, focus or find me on LinkedIn. I re I'm pretty good at answering any of those things and not at 2 a.m. I promise you, you will not be getting this, <laughs> the response at 2 a.m. Well, folks, I'll put all of that uh, in our blog that we write about each guest. So we call it a blog cast. You'll see how to contact Sheila and how to connect with Sheila all over the universe because she's everywhere. And I'll put all that in case you didn't get a chance to jot that down. So look for that in the coming two weeks. I'll put this out within two weeks. And in the meantime, connect with Sheila Murphy on LinkedIn. She is very responsive and you'll see her great posts. Um, I have to tell you, I, I was a business development trainer for years and I go to your posts and I learn something new each time. So I value what you put out there and they're fun. You've got great visuals. I don't know. You have some kind of magic uh, what do you call it? Secret sauce or magic fairy dust going on? Well, I, I, I found a way to tap into my useless trivia knowledge of pop culture. And so I'm leveraging <laughs> that to the extent all those wasted years watching TV and doing things that drove my mother crazy is starting to pay off. I love them. I love them. You are, uh, you know, you're quite the... Um, I guess, trivia queen then in that case, because you have a plethora of things you put out there and I enjoy them all. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. You're always delightful. My cheeks are burning because I've been smiling so hard this whole time. <laughs> it was a pleasure, Susan. It's always fun to hang out with you, whether in real life or podcast world. You bet. You bet. Well, thanks folks for tuning in. And if you have any questions, feel free to email me. You know how to reach me on the website as well as on LinkedIn. And you know that if you want an introduction to Sheila, I'm happy to facilitate that as well. Have a good day, everyone. Stay safe, get vaccinated and be smart about masking, right? Okay. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.